I'm the Eddie Marketing Guy, Andrew, and this is my podcast. And today I'm here with my host, Zach. Zach, can you introduce yourself to us and what you do? Sure, Andrew. Um, my name is Zach Detweiler, and I own my own business here in York, Pennsylvania. I meet with clients in home, outdoors, or at a gym setting and do personal training. I've been doing this now for about six months, since April of this year. That's a young company. How's it, it going? It's going really well. It's been a steady growth since I started and been working in different settings so far, as I mentioned, outdoor. Also here at Penn State York campus, we've been working with clients in their homes. Also, we have a great area around in New York. We can go and walk the trails at Lake Redmond, Lake Williams. So frequently I have a weekly walking group I take out. So it's something extended to all of my clients I work with that they can join in the weekly walking group. And it takes place at different locations each week on a different day and different time. Do you subscribe to the walking group or do you just show up on days you have scheduled? So I inform everyone about the walking group through my Facebook page, which is uh, Thrive Fitness. I'm located here in York. And the hikes or the walks are usually announced about a week ahead of time. And they're open for anyone to join in. Whoever comes can invite others to join. So it's a free sort of come get healthy as a group. Yeah, no cost. Just to kind of make people aware of areas to get active outside and to have it in a social setting so that everyone's getting fit and working out together. And the social component to fitness is a pretty important thing. It's not just the exercises, right? Correct. Yeah, the social component is huge because accountability is a factor that if usually that's not in place, then someone's not as likely to reach their goals. Right. So how do people join up. You said that you post on your Facebook group. Do they need to register in advance or do they just kind of show up? No, no registration required. As I said, it's free. So uh, I I do like to know about how many people are going to come. So if someone comments on that, then that way I have an idea of, of who to expect. But uh, it's posted on my Facebook page, like I said, and, and somebody can just show up. Now, as a business owner, do you prefer to work with people who your walking group, you get to know them a little bit better? I mean, you're, you're a personal training company, essentially, yeah? Like a one-on-one, see your needs, get your to your goals sort of a solution? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I take a holistic approach, and I know that word is kind of overused. No, not yet. It's, it'll get there. It'll get there. It'll get there. It's not yet. It's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, but when I say holistic, what I mean by that is I'm looking at a person's lifestyle. So not just what they're doing in the gym or in a workout setting, but also, you know, how do they sleep? What do they eat? You know, what are their eating habits? Are they socially active? Mental, emotional state. Because all of those things factor into overall health. And all of those things I mentioned lead to them achieving whatever their goal is. So if I'm just, in, just looking at one component, which fitness, as a personal trainer, it's less likely that I'm going to capture what they need to reach that goal. Now, that's a lot of different specialties, because certainly I've had dietitians and nutritionists and weightlifting coaches, and I've had fat loss training programs. You can get diet direct and go see a nurse, or, or what is it, the ideal protein, that's it. Like, so I can go see a nurse and they'll take my measurements and they'll tell me if I'm eating wrong or not by the way my body changes. These are all experts with lots of background and experience. Are you doing all this evaluation on your own? Do you work with partners? Do you want partners if someone's out there and they go, hey, I do that. Would you want them to contact you? Are you like... Absolutely. um, In working with others, I mean, I'm all about referrals. I have a chiropractor. I have a massage therapist. 
have a nutritional therapy practitioner that I refer to frequently. So it's, it is, it's a network of different health professionals. So I by no means am, am the only one that I recommend that my clients seek help from when it comes to their health. I think it's really important to have a network of health professionals because we all see in part. So to be able to get different perspectives and, and explore different modalities of uh, seeking improved health, I think is is vital. So when you're working with all these other people, do y'all do anything, do y'all get together on the weekends and go out <laughs> and, and I don't know, drink keto smoothies instead of beer or uh, get together and say, hey, you know, I'll give you a coupon if you give me a coupon or or do we have like a ski day at, at Big Round Top a little, or whatever the, <laughs> the ski place is called? Well, those definitely sound like trendy ideas, but no. Um, recently, I collaborated with yoga therapy pra- practitioner and the nutritional therapy practitioner I'm kind of in, in my network of other professionals and friends. And we did an event at Leg Up Farmer's Market um, called Whole Body Wellness Simplified. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, more of an informational event to make people aware of, of what's out there as far as uh, modalities to improve their health. Did you have to do some public speaking? I did. Isn't I did. that like the scariest thing anyone can do? Like people are more scared of talking public than actually dying. I, I think it's it's like exercise. When you work a muscle, it, it gets stronger. So. I think the more you put yourself up there out of your comfort zone and speaking in public, you, it gets easier. I wouldn't say that the dress ever goes away completely, but it, it does get easier. Well, that sounds fun. Did, it, did everybody else do talking or they just left it up to you? Yeah, the three of us shared for about 20 minutes about what we do. And, and then at the end, we had tables set up where um, the attendees could come up and ask questions and sign up for our email lists and so on. So you use email, you use Facebook, do you have a website? I do. So where, where what, yeah. what is, is that Thrive Fitness? So my website's um, still under construction, but it should be up and coming soon with more information as far as uh, what I do and testimonials and my rates and so on. Web address is www.thrive-fitness.com. Thrive-fitness.com. Was Thrive Fitness taken? Thrive Fitness was taken, Dang. unfortunately. Dang, that is, that's <laughs> how that happens. Now, did you get to see all like the different variations uh, suggested? There's just a ton of different domain names now. You get .biz, .us, .pin, just ridiculous. Yeah, there were quite a few. I, I think I, I wanted to keep to the Thrive Fitness name, and, and there are other Thrive Fitness places out there. There's one in Maryland, you know, there's one out west. But what made mine unique is I, I'm i a one-man show right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am looking to expand eventually and, and grow into a team, but for my social media, uh, it's Thrive Fitness Trainer. So that's where you would find me on Instagram or Facebook is uh, at Thrive Fitness Trainer. So that would differentiate me between the other places you see out there. Yeah, that sounds good to me. And then as long as someone can click on the link, it doesn't really matter what the word says anyway. That's right. So, yeah. so just just see them on Facebook or come to the walking group or uh, where else can, can someone interact with you if they wanted to contact you. So Facebook, Instagram, they can show up at the walking group. Where else? So right now, I have an event coming up on January 7th at 1 o'clock, and it's going to be 90 minutes of some interactive, some educational material of me talking about how to um, stay active and what type of activity is beneficial um, throughout your day to basically train for everyday life movement and um, be able to move better, be able to move pain-free, and be able to stay active with variety in your movement. 
Now, is that targeted to a specific kind of person or is that just everyone who might work in an office, for instance, or be obese and have trouble getting around on their own? Or is that for people who are older, younger, what? Yeah, so the OLLI program is the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute offered here at Penn State York. And it's directed for older adults, but I believe it is open for anyone to attend. Um, you don't have to be a, an OLLI member, but uh, there is a, a lower rate if you're an OLLI member, but I believe it's open to anyone. All right, so anyone can come if you want to learn how to move better. Hear from the professional, Zach, and have him tell you how to live better. That's the thing. You know, people work in offices all the time, and everyone's getting the standing desk. What's your opinion on standing desk? Yeah, I like the idea of a standing desk. I, I think uh, somebody along the lines said, I should stand more. Uh, standing burns more calories than sitting. And, you know, the effects of sitting become more and more aware as we sit more and more in our driving or at a computer, at a desk, or on our phones. I think the, the healthcare is becoming more aware of the negative effects of sitting. So I'm a big proponent of a stand-up desk. I think it's a great idea. So get the stand-up desk. Yeah. Do you have a brand, color? Oh, I, I believe there's one out there called an up desk. Hmm? Uh, I don't have one myself, so I, I can't really. Yeah. I, you walk up, push the buttons, and play with them. <laughs> uh, somebody I used to work with had one, and, and theirs was um, easy to use. You know, push of a button, it goes up and down. Excellent. So standing more, moving around. What what tips do you, would you normally give to someone who was having a hard time getting around? What would you tell someone? Okay. I don't uh, understand the question. So so if so if I'm old and I can't bend over, like is it is it specific to where I'm hurting or is it just general life advice? Can you be more specific as far as the yeah, sure, sure. I'm getting around? So so if I'm stuck in a wheelchair, right? My mobility is a lot different than if I have a crick in my back and I'm kind of leaning over a bit versus different than I tend to, I might fall over every once in a while, I lose my balance, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when you are talking to these people, is it going to be specific to each of their particular kinds of mobility or, or is it just sort of general, you know, everyone needs to do these things all the time because it's just good for your body in general? Yeah, there, there's definitely some general recommendations, I'd say. For, for anyone, regardless of their age or their mobility or their past fitness experience. And, and those things are get eight hours of sleep a night, eat whole foods, move more, move throughout the day, you know, don't sit for extended periods of time. Those are kind of general recommendations that anyone can benefit from. And when someone says, I never sleep eight hours a night, you go, I know someone to help you, <laughs> right? I, I don't know so. if I have any sleep specialists uh, oh, so on retainer, that- but... That's on the, the list then, if you're a sleep specialist. Yeah, yeah. Zach would like to hear from you. That would be great. Uh, but yeah, more specifically, when I meet with clients, I, I have an eight-page questionnaire that they would start with at our initial consultation. And during that consultation, we spend about an hour talking about them and what their health history is, um, their past fitness experience, their current eating habits, their level of stress. So a lot of specifics to them, and then that's how we get into the the more specific items of um, health that you had mentioned earlier. 
So that's how your your business operates then, because you're saying every person is an individual, and I want to make sure they get to their goals without being intimidated or overly sore or risking an injury or mm-hmm. or being just because that's that's a main reason why people quit most of the time. Not that you can't do it, but it's really hard. And maybe I was pushing myself too much, or I was doing the wrong exercises, and it was kind of hurting that little injury I had a couple of years ago, or. Something like that. So the real value in, in what you're doing for people then is you're helping people to get fit and stay fit in a way that's not uncomfortable for them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it should be fitness should be fun. It should, it should be, be enjoying the benefits of getting healthier. Absolutely. At any age. Absolutely. So what? Let's let's get into more of your your business practices then on the nitty gritty on how you're operating. So you're six months into your operation. How has things changed for you as a business owner from a business owner's perspective? from the day you started to now? So when I first started out, I had one client. I knew nothing about managing a business, but I'm the type of person that I will spend hours um, online researching and going to different resources, also in the community. I mean, I reached out to SCORE, and they were uh, very helpful in helping me get my business started. Um, Also recently, the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center, has been really helpful in, in helping me with marketing um, and different people along the way uh, who have been there and either have their own businesses or mentor and help other small business owners um, have kind of helped guide me. And where I am now, I went from you know having one client in the beginning and not knowing much about owning and managing a business to now feeling somewhat more comfortable with the day-to-day um, of managing my business. And I have up to uh, 10 clients I meet with on a weekly basis, either in-home or outdoors. And I'm also at Penn State York now, working with the students. I'm here two days a week, and for 10 hours a week, I'm available to do personal training or fitness orientations in their fitness center, which has been a a great opportunity. Now, the students just get to use that. Like, like they don't have to pay you anything or or any kind of registration fees to use that service for you? You can just walk up, kind of like your walking class, and take advantage of your expertise in their... Now, is that their gym, the fitness center? Yes, the, the fitness center on, on site is available for students, staff, and faculty to use. So, yeah, it's as simple as students can go to a link online that they have access to through their Penn State account mm-hmm. and sign up for up to a half an hour once a week, and it's available to them at no cost. Are you giving them all the same services you give your other clients? Absolutely. It's all that same attention to detail. And Absolutely. Excellent. Well, that's neat. So if you're a student of any age, because Penn State campus isn't just for 19, 20-year-olds, certainly there's a, what would they call a non-traditional student, maybe someone re-entering the workforce out of retirement even. So any student can come to your class and just use it because it's part of their curriculum or part of their tuition even. So uh, that's an excellent way. Now, are you drawing po- possible, probable clients, future clients out of that group? Or are these students just coming in and leaving and not keeping in touch? Well, uh, some of the students, it, de- it depends what year they're in. I'm working with so- someone now who's a senior, so he'll be finishing up the end of this year. Um, but we meet on a weekly basis and kind of giving him the tools he needs. Um, so you have some students taking advantage yeah, of it. Absolutely. And come in and... And, uh, and you're getting to know them. So yes. is there something about uh, someone, a trainee, that says, hey, this is someone I want to invest? Because it, as a business owner, I mean, your time 
is literally your money and that would be true for anyone but as the one-man operation and the sole value-adding component to your company I mean your hour-to-hour basis is really valuable so who you spend time with is just as important as still has having clients to train you know because uh, if you had someone who paid you and they never showed up after two weeks that not only might cut into your bottom line from losing a client but it also hurts your reputation right because you are your brand right now right so is there something these these students have that you're looking for when you're like I would I would accept you on as a client once you get out of school and you get a job is there something like I guess just showing up on time is that the main requirement so uh, a lot of the students are either international students so most of them will, will go back to the countries that they came from once they're done school others who have been in the area will probably go and go into the workforce in other states, maybe some in this area. But I think very few of them actually stay in the York area, from what I understand. Penn State York campus is kind of a a transient campus that there are a, a lot of students from around the world and around the nation that come here. A lot of them transition to the main campus their junior or senior year to pursue a, a major that's only offered up there. So, yeah, it's hard to say where a lot of the relationships will go, but I, I think the few that I've established so far have been really beneficial f- for them and have been, been great for me to be able to offer my services here and kind of learn um, you know how things operate on a, on a college campus yeah and you're certainly meeting a wide variety of people who are going to be if you're offering customized health care uh, or fitness care then certainly getting to know the different goals and, and assumptions different cultures that people have can't hurt for your older clients or you know your more professional clients and middle-aged and older folks so how are you keeping track uh, well before we get into more of those details so you have your student body and you mentioned that you do workouts outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, who are those folks typically? So my outdoor clients, some are in their mid-40s. You know, Others are uh, much older. It, it really depends on what their preferences are. So on my intake form, when I find out you know, all of the details of past workout history and the current current workouts and what they do on a daily basis. I ask the question, you know, where do you prefer to work out? And the three options are inside at home or inside at a gym or outdoors or a combination of all three. And I think that's something that kind of sets me apart is the adaptability, flexibility to go where my clients want to train and where they're likely to have the most fun and enjoy the workouts. So I'm I'm really meeting them where they're at, both physically and mentally. And socially, I mean, socially, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, everyone's got a schedule to keep. So, a big value proposition that you're offering then is that you're a concierge workout trainer. Like, I'm coming to you. You know, most people have a class and maybe a room, and you got to come to them on their schedule. But you're saying, no, we're gonna come. To, I'm gonna come to you, and I, you do this full time, right? This is this isn't a side gig, and you have a day job at, no. at the the Harley Factory or nothing this like that. This is it, Andrew. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. So so I mean, your whole workday is devoted to your clients. Then. Absolutely, yeah. And you're going to where they need you to go and doing things for them that they need done so that they can reach their goal. Now, um, I imagine that that takes a lot of uh, devotion from them, a lot of investment in terms of time, in terms of money, because that sounds like a high value offer. So are, are your clients saying that they're, they're satisfied or are the things they're complaining about? Like, have you made any major changes to the way you approach clients based on that feedback or has it been positive from day one? 
Uh, I say it's been positive from day one. Although you know, I'm I'm always open to make changes. I always am looking for feedback of what I can do differently to help my clients, help them achieve their goals, and and help them to I guess take out whatever roadblocks are in the way, and for me to anticipate what those might be. And those roadblocks can be any anything from time to lack of resources, lack of motivation. So for me to anticipate those things ahead of time, I think adds value in what I do because those questions that might have come up or those roadblocks that might have come in the way, I've anticipated by spending you know countless hours training other clients and seeing what those things are that are major roadblocks to someone achieving their goals. And one of the things that, so I was always bad in sales. I'm still bad at sales. I just can't do it. Uh, that's the engineer in me. By the way, don't ever have your doers up front because we just don't do sales well. And I mean, everyone has that problem. But especially if you're pricing yourself at a premium level, that it gets doubly hard at the beginning, in my experience, to try to get someone to tell someone, yeah, no, I'm definitely worth this much and you need to give it to me so that I can do my job to give back to you. One of those things is that it's never really about the money. People use money as an objection most of the time to get out of something they don't really want to do. So when it comes to overcoming those objections, and certainly you've encountered quite a few of them around your price point and the value you're offering. Because, I mean, again, you don't have a gym that people come to you on your time. You're going to their house. So that's a premium service. But then people probably still give you objections or problems. Uh, Do you ever have any trouble with asking people for a premium price for your services? I mean, and I'm not talking about asking emotionally from your yourself. I mean, when you say, okay, well, you want this and this is what this costs, is the reaction typically positive, negative, neutral? I got to think about it. And then how are you overcoming those price point objections for a premium offering? Yeah, and that is a, a challenge, I think, offering something premium with the amount of time I invest in each client. You know, it's more than just half an hour or the hour that I see them in person each week. Or yeah, the, you're not a two-legged motor track. No, you know, no. You're, you're, you're holistically giving someone their health back and making them fit and able to do more stuff. Yeah, so I mean, a, a lot of time, I'd say, you know, even more time than the one-on-one in person is the time I spend you know, creating workouts, the time I spend researching some of the client issues that I come up with or come up against researching, um, you know, medical issues and seeking out help when, you know, it's beyond my scope of practice, seeking out understanding. And, you know, a lot of that is that extra time that adds to the value of my service. But uh, back to your question with when it comes to creating value, which I think is really what you're getting at is how to create value in a product, regardless of you know, whether the product is worth $1,000 or $100, if somebody has the money and they make the decision that there's not value in that product, then it doesn't matter what the cost is, whether it's a dollar or $100, they're, they're not going to pay for it because they don't see the value. So I think, you know, that's one of the challenges I come up against is creating value. It's something I, I've grown a lot in. Sales never came natural to me when I first started out. And it was just like one of those things that you exercise and you you gain experience and you learn a lot from the no's because there there's a lot of no's and you usually get at least you know five no's and one yes but you learn more from the five no's than you do the one yes so one of the biggest things that I hear is uh, you know I've heard I I can't afford you um, before I even tell someone what my rates are and I know when that comes up it it's usually not an issue of of money I mean sometimes it is of course but 
usually it's an issue of value rather than money. And either I haven't communicated the value of what I offer yet, or they haven't recognized uh, the value in, in what I'm offering. Well, that's usually the domain of marketing then. In fact, for anyone listening and who's a, used to the argument of sales versus marketing, for you sales guys out there who are who love sales, I get it, uh, but y'all are the end task of a long process. And the marketing guys are the ones laying the rose petal flowers out to the path so people can walk on them and find their way to your sales desk. And so that's sort of the realm of what marketing does is establish that value so you don't have to reiterate over and over and over again. Because your ability to make an income at the moment is strictly limited to the number of hours you have in the day. And if you have to spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes explaining something for the fifth time to a new person, now for you, it might be the fifth time that week, but for them, it's the first time they've ever heard it. And you know, you kind of can tell they're probably going to say no, uh, but they might say yes. So you have to keep trying. So the domain of good marketing then is to help people get that value proposition or to touch people on the points that they find useful. So not everyone has all the same value points. You know, maybe for you, for me, it's your convenience. Maybe for someone else, it's the holistic healing. Maybe for someone else, it's the testimonials and the results. So everyone has a different thing. So you had mentioned that you've got an Instagram and a Facebook page and an incoming website and an email list. How are you making content or, or what are you posting up there that tells people about who you are and why they should inquire about your services? So on Facebook right now, I, I say it's the social media network I'm most active on. I, I post uh, usually every other day or sometimes daily. Content includes anything from relevant articles on hot topics like uh, intermittent fasting, things like exercising for a specific goal, maybe related to uh, athletic training. But m most of my content really is, is geared toward my primary audience, which is uh, active older adults who are looking to stay in, in good health as long as they can and maintain their current lifestyle, avoid injury, and you know all of those things that as we age, we, we want to maintain a certain level of health so that we can do things, so that we can enjoy retirement and travel and be able to play with the grandkids. Those are all uh, motivators, I think, for the older adult age group. Yep. Do you have anybody ever wanted to share their stories? Do, you, does, does anyone ever let you take their picture or, or do a video recording about how they feel? Yeah, I have um, a few testimonials I've collected on my Facebook page. And if you go on there, you can take a look at those of clients that I've worked with or currently working with. Cool. So when someone is feeling good and they're ready to talk to you, how are you most often coming across your new inquiries? Like how, how are people finding you? Because I imagine that you're probably not going out into the world and finding people. People come to you and ask you about using your services. Is that right? Yeah. The primary way I'm, I'm getting new clients right now is through referrals. Mm -hmm. um, so is that your, your co-health worker network or that your current previous client network or what yeah a mixture of both previous clients you know that i worked with uh, in another job um, have referred clients to me um, clients that i currently work with have referred clients so uh, the the biggest way for me that i've gotten clients um, so far in the six months i've been in business is just through word of mouth and a client that has a positive experience sharing their positive experience either on social media uh, or in person, you know, over over dinner, or over a glass of wine. 
Is, do you, now, do you recommend wine? Yeah. Okay, so so you're good in my book. Yeah. Right. We, 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 we can be friends. <laughs> so um, in regards to how people finding you and and referring business to you, one of the things I've encountered about York County in general is that it's got a rule-esque feel to it and that a lot of people are intimidated at the idea of starting a business because a lot of people who fail out, and there's always people who don't succeed for one reason or another, and one of the common themes from people who aren't succeeding as well as they would like or who quit, um, and, I, and I don't say quit lightly, it doesn't mean way. I mean, as far as I'm concerned as a business owner, the only time you really fail out in business is when you choose to stop because you can keep working on an, on an idea forever and keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and there is a component to success around that. Um, but there's also the idea that you just need to recognize this is not working and I need to quit. And I think self-owning your successes and failures is a key component of winning overall. So um, don't take any, so no, no, don't get mad at me. Because because you feel like like it wasn't your choice. It in my view in my worldview it is always your choice because you can always find a way to make it work. Um, but in that purview, a lot of people tend to say the community didn't accept me. Have you heard that phrase? Or big people you know are having trouble in business, and they'll say something like that: the community didn't accept me, or uh, I couldn't find my my niche here. Yeah, no one that I know personally, but I, I've heard that. Uh, that that being one of the biggest roadblocks for businesses, you know, they, there's some uh, fact out there, uh, statistic that you know most businesses, small businesses, fail within the first, I think it's five years, three years. Well, I'll give you an example on on what I was talking about. There is the best Thai restaurant within a hundred miles of here is located in front of a grocery store by the school my kids go to. And we talked to them. My wife and I went there the other day. We ordered off the menu and they said, do y'all come here often? And I was like, no, it was our first time here. Do you have friends who do? And I said, no, it was our first time here. We don't know anyone who recommended you. He says, you guys ordered the thing that our regulars like to order. So you ordered the best thing on the menu that everyone eats and usually only people who get who have been here forever order that stuff. So it was just, it was just weird because we can't get anyone from York, Dallas town to eat here. People come from Washington, D.C., people come from Baltimore, people come from Lancaster, people come from Harrisburg, but they won't come from the actual town of York to eat here. And we really don't know why. You know, they just don't like us or something. And um, now the business coach in me wanted to jump on that and be like, oh, well, I can probably guess why, because you probably don't tell anyone you're here. Um, But they're an example of someone who's not making as much money as they want to in the operation they're in. And they're saying, oh, the community's not accepting me. And this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. And so you didn't encounter that problem. No, I, I have not. Um, I So far, my business has grown very steadily. And I see that actually as a sign that I'm, I'm doing something right. Um, I've looked and learned a lot from the the obstacles that others have faced and taking the advice of, as I mentioned, you know, meeting with SCORE and SBDC mentors uh, who, you know, for a living, they they um, help small businesses uh, succeed. So I have I've put to paper uh, or put pen to paper a, a lot of the recommendations that they've given me. And it's been, you know, pretty um, predictable, you know, that things would work out um, as 
I've thrown darts at the dartboard of different opportunities, as I say. Um, you know, things some things stick and other things don't. And it's been a steady growth, and I think steady growth is a good thing when you're a business that's just starting out. So, so you would say then that your mentorship was a big part in avoiding the trap of the communal community uh, ostracization. That's a hard word to try to say in a podcast. <laughs> Kids, don't see, don't use more than five syllables. Community <laughs> rejection. We'll say that's a bit harsher than I go. think the real term is, but but not being accepted. Not, not being taken and not getting those local referrals that you're supposed to quote unquote get when you're doing a good job. Yeah, I think it, so. it's easy to take things like that personally, but in, in reality, you know, when you're first starting out, um, people don't know about you. I mean, you have to get the word out through word of mouth, through referrals, through marketing. And it's not an accident, right? Like, like you've taken actions that have had effects, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense why I get referrals because I did A to do B, and then I'm now at C. And maybe this business, for instance, this restaurant might have skipped B and just assumed it would happen and hoped that it would occur. And one of the greatest bits of wisdom business coaches around the world have ever come up with is hope is not a strategy. So, I like um, that. Yeah, it is, it is the greatest phrase of our, of our time that hope is not a strategy because it really cuts to the heart of why a lot of business owners sort of turn toxic after a while. And uh, I, I learned this too. I was listening to a, a uh, emotional health. You talked about your, your network of holistic healers. Well, there's some great YouTube channels I've been following on emotional uh, maturing and developing as I have to get some things you know, worked out in myself. Because you know, again, I believe that I'm in control of my life no matter what else happens, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way and it's just really easy to kick your feet and cry and go, the world's not fair, it's not my fault. Sorry, it's a bit of a rant. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, in, in, the, in those realms of, of that emotional maturity, uh, learning to not take things personally, to seek advice or, and to state things that are problems and then figure out the solution. In other words, uh, oh, and another thing was, the point of that was, people who tend to be very angry are actually ridiculously positive optimists. And it turns out that people who are angry all the time constantly are hoping for a better world. They're hoping for a better world. And they're constantly being let down, so they're angry all the time. And so uh, one of the things about good emotional maturity is kind of accepting that the world is never going to match your hope for it and that it takes work to get to the places you want to be. And so. Um, I don't think I would discourage hopefulness in people, but I, I, I would say that like what you seem to just hit in stride in your business practice is understanding that the world's not going to come to you. You know, it's not going to uh, accept you no matter how good your product offering is. There are certain bits where you've got to go to the world and you've got to come to them. And uh, that's what score and your mentors and the advice and, and you're doing the listening to your nose. Now, that sounds like the hardest thing to me. When people tell you no, it's very natural to just shut your brain off and then move away because it hurts. You know, it's a lot of emotional trauma there. You know, it's my business and my business is me, and, and you're rejecting me, and and it must be me because you don't you don't like me personally. So it hurts. You know, and, and I mean, I'm not even a personal trainer. I do coaching, and I have a brand that has no association with me personally, and it still hurts. So, uh, what are those those moments that? help you accept this no and then listen that sounds like a lot of maturity like how did you get to that point or how did you acquire that skill uh, or is through, that just... through time i mean it's it's developed um 
Yeah, if you're in sales, I think you have to get really comfortable with hearing no. Because more than just no, but but you had said something. I think the most insightful thing was no and listen to why. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard that before. the The lady who used to run Constant Contact wrote a book on becoming a really successful um, owner of and CEO of a multi billion dollar international corporation from you know the ground up, uh, from start to finish. And one of the things that she in her book wrote about is Gail Goodman, by the way. Um, was that she had to learn to accept criticism, that criticism is a gift. And uh, her story was that she decided to put a suggestion box. That was like the thing that everyone was saying, oh, you should do, you should put a suggestion box. And people started making suggestions through how to change the product or how to change the office or how to change our approach to clients or complaints in general. And she got really mad because she had put all this work into this uh, constant contact solution and this brand and this company and how dare they, how would they know about how this company is supposed to work? But uh, in her book, she cites the ability to actually take in that criticism and approach it as the gift that it was, is what let her grow and mature and develop solutions that her employees and her clients liked. And the, that's sort of one of the bits of wisdom that came out of uh, the training that if, if you were to become a solution provider for constant contact and you read deep, deep into their uh, training, because there's more to do than just get certified. You can go and actually read on how to be a great marketer from all these articles. And one of those things is in learning how to listen to your audience because your audience will tell you what they don't like. Absolutely. You just have yeah. to be willing to listen. Yeah. That's yeah. so hard. It so, is. So is that just a natural gift for you or, or is that something you just said, I know this is important and I'm just gonna grind through it? No, I, criticism, I, 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 look, I look back and uh, criticism used to be really difficult for me to take and I took it personally and I think at some point when I separated the criticism and, and stopped taking it personally and, and just looked at it for what it was, um, it, it really helped me grow from that and grow whatever it was that I, I needed to grow in at the time. And now as I have my own business, um, I am able to separate myself and the business and able to um, allow opportunities to grow. Uh, even in stages where, you know, if I've been doing something a certain way for so long and it's worked for others, it might not work for, you know, person, might work for person A, but it might not work for person B. And in order to, you know, move forward as a business, I need to be adaptable. I need to be willing to make changes to my, my business model or to even to my pricing um, different things like that in order to reach the clients that I want to. Well, that sounds very deep. And, and I think that if anyone takes anything else from our, our time together today, I'd hope they take that. I mean, to me, you know, is one of the most important lessons to learn is to listen to your critics and actually listen to someone who you don't really want to listen to and, um, and then apply it. I think that takes, that is more emotional maturity and strength than what I have to actually Listen, so I, I do. I can do parts one and two, right? Not take it too personally, and actually listen to what they have to say. But then to apply that criticism to how I operate is something that I have yet to master myself. Oh, don't get me wrong; so, I have not mastered it by any means. But you're doing it, and and that's in, in the words of, of many many wisdom. You know, uh, just do it. There's no yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no secret path. There's no Nike, shortcut to Nike this answer. Yeah, Nike says it best. You just do it. So. 
So anyway, that's that's our time for the podcast today. Uh, Zach, would you please give us your contact information real quick? You give give us this pitch. Give us your elevator, your thirty second pitch on who you are and, and how do we get in touch with you? Uh, of course, it will all be in the description of the podcast here. But give us your your thirty second uh, pitch. Yeah, elevator speech. Yeah. So I am Zach Detweiler, based in the York area, and I do in home, outdoor, and in the gym training, personal training. Um, I love working with clients where they're at, regardless of their goals, regardless of their health limitations. Uh, my primary focus is working with active older adults who want to stay healthy and stay active as they age. You can go onto my website at www.thrive/fitness.com. I have a Facebook page, Thrive Fitness, uh, located in the York area, and uh, my Instagram is at Thrive Fitness Trainer. And I believe that's it for social media. <laughs> that's it. And you have an email account. Email is Zach Z A C H at Thrive/fitness.com. There you go. All right. Well, Zach, thanks so much for coming on. I hope that lots of people listen to this and that you get some more phone calls. And Thank you. And I think in a few months, we ought to get back together and, and see how things have, uh, have worked out for you. Yeah, it's been a great opportunity. Thanks for having me today. You're welcome. And so you've been listening to That EO Marketing Guy Andrew's podcast, and I have been Andrew.